We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to Notre Dame fans to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince Tedario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is the IB logoed man himself. I love every second of that, by the way. Uh, it's Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And uh, we are going to continue our spring previews uh, by position. And, and today we are going to talk about the defensive tackles, Brian. And... This may very well be the deepest group um, that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. I mean, top to bottom, um, everybody obviously is coming back, so we can skip right over the what have they lost Mm -hmm. uh, segment because they don't lose anybody. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) They're all going to be on the roster. How's Mm -hmm. that sound? Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're all going to be on the roster. So uh, we will skip the what are they going to lose, but we will touch on it uh, as we continue on. But yeah, uh, again, this think is the about deepest it, position. This is great. Think about it. Name another position on the football team where they can consider moving a starter somewhere else. Good point. Because of how deep they are. That is a good point. You know, I mean, they're not like, hey, you know what? We need a rover. Let's move Kyron Williams. We're so loaded <laughs> at running back. Let's no, you're not you're not right. doing that, right? I right. Mean, this is a position where you're so loaded top to bottom. And just from like a roster, putting the roster together, they're going to have seven D tackles. In a four-down defense, I, I prefer eight, maybe okay. even nine with some younger guys. But the seven they have are can all play. Yeah. I, I, look, for example, Aiden Kanaana last year hardly played at all as a true freshman in 2020. 
if he would have showed up at Notre Dame in 2017, he plays 200 snaps. Yeah. I mean, fact. If he shows up in 2018, he probably plays 200 snaps. From a depth situation, yeah. Right. right, Just because he's a good player and the numbers, the depth was what what it was. And so now they're in a position where guys who three, four years ago would have been key contributors are now not getting on the field because you're so loaded. I mean, hardly anybody talked about how the fact that Jacob Lacey was banged up almost all of last year because it, it's kind of like nobody noticed. It got lost because in the shuffle they were because, so yeah. deep. And, yeah. and so it, it really and it really has come a long way because, it, you know, like we said, it was 2017 when this whole thing started, this whole turnaround started for Notre Dame. You had a situation where if you didn't play Myron Tungvaloa and Kurt Heinish as true freshman, you were playing like Brandon Tiasam and Micah Dutredway, right? Now you're in a situation where the guys like that wouldn't would never dream of seeing the field. Right. If Myron Tungvalo and Kurt Heinis showed up as true freshmen in 2021, they wouldn't play very much. Sure. They just and that's not a knock on them. They're good players. It's just that's where Notre Dame is from a depth standpoint. So in a very short period of time, Mike L and he's not done it with like that one class. It's just been 2017, strong class, 2018, strong class, 2019, strong class, 2020, strong class. And, you know, to where a point where a guy like Jamion Franklin, who's a good football player, transferred in the middle of the season. Right. Because he just couldn't get on the field. And, he and he's a good football PT, player. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, had, he had power five schools beating down his door to try to get him to go there. He's going to tra- – he transferred to Duke. So – um and he left during the season. That's why we don't count him as someone well, they lost, lost from last year because yeah. he left during last season. So and from a production standpoint, too, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's how. I mean, again, not that long ago, Jamie on Franklin would have been playing a bunch, sure. and so that just shows you how quickly they've been built up. You know, and credit to Mike Elson for 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 putting this together. But they've really just been building up. You know, just quality class after quality class after quality class. No question. And the depth is amazing. So let's talk about uh, the, the returning starters, right? So let's let's start with Kurt Heinish. Um, is he is he a three or four year starter now, Brian? Well, he's a three year starter, four year contributor. Okay, I, I'm going to have to look into this. Somebody somebody brought this up to me on, on asked me a, in a private message on Twitter the other day. Say, is Kurt Heinish going to set the Notre Dame record for games played? Wow, because he should be gone. Well, if it point. wasn't for COVID, he's gone. He played as a true freshman. He played every game as a true freshman, I believe. And he's been a, either a rotation or starting player sure. from the moment he stepped foot on campus. And he's been a starter the last two years. Um, he was a key rotation player in 2017. And I believe, yeah, and 2018, because they had John Bonner in 2018 as well. But he's been a key rotation player or starter for four years. I mean, he's, I believe he's played in every game that Notre Dame has, has had since he showed up. So he's only coming back because of the additional year granted to everybody because of COVID-19. Is he the, so, is he the only one taking advantage of the COVID year? Well, of the of the seniors. Okay. So so there may be some guys like like Down next the road. year. Right, okay. Like Bo Bauer had if not for the COVID year would be done after this year. Like gotcha. upcoming year. Shane Simon would be done. Tariq Bracey would be done after this upcoming year. So we'll see if some of those players kind of get their fifth year back. Gotcha. Um, but as a, of the of the veterans that that could have left, he is the only. I mean, Liam Eikenberg left, Ian Book, Robert Hainsey, all those guys left. Right. And the fifth year seniors, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, I yeah, I didn't expect any of them to come back for a sixth year. Sure. You know, and then Aaron Banks didn't surprise. So I mean, nobody surprised me that left. That, I mean, Sean, we, that Sean Crawford could have been like a double doctor if you to come back. 
You just had to get that Sean Crawford jab in there, didn't you? <laughs> I love but, it. But love the point the point is, Kurt Heinisch has been around for a long time, and he's played yes. for a long time. So That's this a really is a very, question, yeah. very veteran football player. So um, he, he's an interesting guy, Vince, because if if I'm trying to remember this off the top of my head, because I did look this up about a week or so ago, I think he had seven tackles for loss his first three years at Notre Dame. Again, key rotation player, sure. starter in 2019. He had seven and a half tackles for loss last year. It was a really sneaky, quiet seven and a half tackles for loss yeah. in 12 games, too. Remember, he only played 12 games. Notre Dame played one less game than it had the, the sure. three previous years. So uh, he was a very underrated – he's become very underrated. Uh, I wouldn't say underappreciated because I think Notre Dame fans like him, but I don't know if we talk about him as a, as a playmaker. You know, and this is a nose guard that had seven and a half tackles for loss in 12 yeah. games. Yeah. You know, the year before Jerry Tillery broke out and had an All-American season, I think he had like nine – yeah. Tackles for loss in 13 games. So, Kurt Heinis was a very, very productive player for Notre Dame this past season. The question now that I have, Vince, is there another level for him? Sure. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if like this is who he is or if there's another level for him. I mean, that's going to be one of the things that we're going to find out in the fall. And, and it's a question that I honestly don't have an answer to. Well, I tell you what, when it comes to Kurt Heinish, if, if there is another level for him, it won't be because. If he, I mean, if he doesn't reach that next level, it won't be because of his work ethic. Sure. It won't be, it won't be because of his effort on the field when we see him right. playing. Because that guy, I mean, he he is your, you know, you look up lunch pail, you look up blue collar, you know, all of that, all of those, you know, labels that you can stick on a guy. That, that's Kurt Heinish. I mean, a little undersized maybe. Um, Definitely. I, I, he works hard uh, in there. And, you know, that's a position where you're not getting – a whole lot of love necessarily right. because your job is to basically take up space, demand double teams so that the linebackers can uh, do their thing behind you. So I thought his play last year was really, really good for the most part. Um, and if he, I, I could see him taking it to another level just because he's been doing it for so long. Um, but it would be a little bit difficult because I think he had a really good season uh, for him in 2020. I think the reason I think this is who he is is because he's played so long. Yeah. And because he has all experience, he's now sure. kind of reached into his full bag of tricks, so to right. speak. And that's okay. I mean, if all he does is repeat his 2020 season, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think the big thing for me that we saw from Kurt Heinisch in 2020, and this is something he has to he has to maintain in 2021, is he was far more consistent last season. And I think his conditioning level was much better too, partly because, you know, he gets older, keeps working hard. Sure. But also partly because they they were able to limit his reps week after week because of the depth of, the depth. of that rotation. Absolutely. So you could keep him fresher deeper into games. You could keep him fresher into the season. And he could just kind of, when he was in there, just go. Yeah. And because he is a little undersized for what you wanted a nose guard, yeah, he can kind of get caught in the trash from time to time, especially when he's got to kind of, you know, look, when you're playing 50 plus snaps as a nose guard, you can't go full right. metal pedal, right. you know, pedal to the metal every snap. You're going to wear out. And That's so you have, there, you have to pick and choose your your calls and your plays where, hey, look, I'm, I'm just going to kind of hold my ground here and and eat up this a gap and let somebody else make a play. Whereas last year we saw him just so much more penetration because the thing I really liked about Kurt Heinisch in 2020 was he was so much more disruptive and he was yep. they used him to shoot gaps more and penetrate more and if Marcus Freeman uses his defensive line the way that he did at Cincinnati then I think Kurt Kurt Heinisch is going to be one of the guys that benefits from that because there is a lot of gap shooting there is a lot of slanting there is a lot of hey we're we're getting upfield we want you to make plays. 
we want you to, to – there's two ways to occupy a linebacker or a defensive – offensive line so that your linebackers can run free. One is to be a two-gap guy, which is kind of what Notre Dame did like in 2012 and 2011 with, with uh, Bob Diaco. The other way is to to shoot gaps and get linemen to have to turn their hips because once an offensive lineman has to turn his hips, he's going to have a hard time getting off to a, a, a linebacker. Way. Yeah, right. And, and so you, it's easier to pick up like a DN twist, but if you're doing like a hard, you know, in you know nose mic twist right up the middle, it's hard to turn your hips and then get off to that mic linebacker and make a good block. So those are things that I think they used him correctly last year, and I think Marcus Freeman is going to do the same thing based on what we saw from Cincinnati. The, the thing that Kurt Heinisch has to continue to do, Vince, is he has to keep that same level of consistency that we saw last year. And there weren't the – you know, there'd be plays in 2019 and 2018 where you know, he'd have a good game, but then there's about four or five plays a game where he just gets blown off the ball. We didn't really see that last year. Sure. I think part of that was because they weren't asking him to anchor because he's not a big guy. Sure. You're yeah. not asking him to just anchor and stay there and take on the center and the guard and hold his ground. He's just not going to win that battle. So uh, if they continue to use him pro- appropriately, but then, you know, he's got to continue to play with that same motor. And, and I'm not I'm not concerned about it. I mean, he's got to go prove it. I'm not concerned about it. Just knowing Kurt Heinrich, because what a lot of people may not know is he's been dealing with personal issues this entire time. You know, his dad's. I mean, it's now public knowledge, so I'm I'm okay saying this, but like his dad's battled cancer for much of his Notre Dame career, you know. So he's been dealing with that stuff back home, and he's been able to kind of still lock it in. And when the when it's time to 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 buckle up the chin strap, he's he's ready to bring it. So this is a kid that um, is going to be a key part of the Notre Dame defense in 2021, even if he's not necessarily the same volume playmaker that he was in 2020. Let me ask you, you know, because there's going to be a bit of a scheme change and things of that nature with Kurt Heinisch, does that help or hurt him if they're in a three front and he's got to be that nose, you know, without the defensive tackle? I think it's going to be fine because uh, they don't play. They're not a two gap three down line. Right. So what that means essentially is. Let's talk about since since he you know he's been in you know recently we talked about Lewis Nix right so what made Lewis Nix such a good player is he could be a two gap player and what that essentially means is I'm playing I'm responsible for two gaps right so that means I'm coming off the line I'm engaging the center and I kind of have both a gaps right so the guards you have to double me and because I'm so big and strong I can kind of stay there and occupy a couple blockers and play both of those gaps right. That requires a big, strong nose guard. That's what Alabama used to have, you know, when they had Terrence Cody and all those big, massive nose guards. Then there's the other type of three-down look, which is more of a penetrating look and a lot more second-level twists and stunts, and that's called a one-gap defensive front. Marcus Freeman's defense is more of a one-gap attacking defense. So there's always going to be a fourth person inserting into the line, whether it's an outside linebacker, a middle linebacker. There's always going to be some kind of run stunt to get sort of that fourth guy inserted into a gap. And then, of course, you have the safety protection. And they do – We when we broke down the linebackers fitting into this defense, there's a – we have a podcast on it and we have a video on it on YouTube. The video is even better because you can actually see the graphics. We showed the the production from the inside linebackers at Cincinnati was significantly better than that at at uh, at Notre Dame because of the manner in which they were used. Sure. So we saw that, and and I think that when when you look at the kind of linebackers Notre Dame is going to have, they're going to use them as well, and that's where that comes from. So 
yeah, even though there's only going to be three down linemen at times, those guys are going to be run. You know, they're going to be going. The other part of that too, Vince, is they're not going to be using a three-three look when they're playing like Stanford from 2012. Sure, right, right. They're they're Wrong not going to be using team. right yeah. they're, they're, when they play Wisconsin. They're not going to be doing a lot of three-three-five. Sure. They'll be in a four-down look. So that's the other part of it is yeah, and that's where I think it could help Kurt Heinish as well because up the middle as a nose, he can now do a lot more slanting and stunting and kind of have more Use room to kind of yeah his quickness off the ball right, so the right, way right, that right. he uses them is slanting twisting sure. and allowing them to just be more aggressive and penetrating and i think that fits into into his style of play hey everyone before we get started i want to tell you about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance in this program is limited, so get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. So at the top, Brian, we talked about the fact that everybody is back. And then you kind of like put your finger up like, not so fast, my friend. Um, everyone's and- back. It's just <laughs> not everyone's going to be ne- – potentially not everyone's going to be a defensive tackle. Right. And and from what we're hearing is that Myron Tank – I said, Tungabaloa, you, you caught me on this last yep. time and I messed it up. Yep. Tungabaloa, Amosa. Um, and you, what you're hearing is that he is going to be moving outside to the big end position. So technically, he's a loss from the defensive tackle position because he's going to go to end, uh, but he's still on the roster. So he's not a loss. So that, that's your right. thoughts on moving him outside and what that does to the position that he's leaving. Well, I, I think that again, it's it's what I'm hearing. They're gonna they're gonna try in the spring. If it doesn't work, they can always move them back. If True. The other players of that position don't step up. They can always move them back. So that's why I don't necessarily consider it a loss because he could sure. be there tomorrow. Yeah, good point. Uh, they may they may you know let's say Nana Osafa Mensa and Alexander Ehrensberg have awesome winners in spring practices. They so okay. Well, look, those guys are ready to go. We're gonna move Myron back inside. So that's why I say he's still part of the equation there and. But the reality is you're not making this move if you don't have a great deal of confidence in what's behind him. Agreed. And that's kind of why we focus so much on the depth aspect of it is you don't make a move of a starter who was a good player for you for, yes. I mean, for years. You don't move him if you're not confident that you've got multiple guys coming down the line. And, of course, that's Jason Adamiola, that's Riley Mills, that's Gabe, freshman Gabriel Rubio who will get on to all those guys. That's the fact that Howard Cross can play both D-tackle positions, the fact that Jacob Lacey can play both D-tackle positions. So um, there's that's where that depth comes into play. It's not just one or two guys. It's you've got multiple options there uh, of players you could utilize. And if if worst-case worst scenario, you could move Kurt Heinisch to three technique and if Aiden Keanu is ready to play nose and Jacob Lacey's ready to play nose and you've had a rash of injuries at the three technique. 
So there's plenty of bodies, but I think the other aspect of it is most of these guys that have come in are guys who could play either spot, either nose or the three technique. And I think that only adds to that depth because it's not like one injury at three technique and you're, you're in trouble or an injury at nose and you're in trouble. The exception of Adam Yola and Mills, I think everybody else can play both spots, you know? And so I think that, that adds value to what, to what Notre Dame is doing. And that's why, that's why you make a move like this. Sure. You you may consider moving Kyron Williams to slot receiver if you had D- Dexter Williams, Josh Adams, sure. <laughs> Chris Tyree yeah. all behind him, right? If they're all in the same that's room, the, right? Right. That's the kind of thing that you talk about is you can make that move because you have so much depth behind you, behind him. No, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and then that's that's again they don't lose anybody, and the guys that they had were pretty darn good already. And then mm-hmm. you, of course, just because of the way things work, you expect everybody to kind of take that next step. And that leads us into our, our next uh, kind of category, right? And it's, you know, let's talk about that next group. Uh, who could potentially be breakout type players uh, this year? We're talking about Jason Adamalola and, and Riley Mills uh, at that position. You've mentioned those guys a couple of times. Do you see these guys taking that next step and really taking over uh, the defensive tackle spot? They're capable of it. You know, I, I don't, I try not to get into the predicting game because sure. then people like grab onto that and, and it's all and, your and fault wanna, when it doesn't happen. Well, that's not what I mean. It just, I, I just <laughs> think sometimes people can take a prediction the, not the way that I intend it to be, sure. to be yeah. made. And so I want to be clear. I think they're both capable of being outstanding players and being outstanding players in 2021, not like down the road. I think they're both capable of it. Look, Jason Adamiel is a guy we've talked a lot about this offseason. And, you know, he's a guy that came to Notre Dame as a top 100 recruit, played as a freshman. He's been a rotation guy from the moment he stepped foot on campus. Yeah, he has. And every time he was on the verge of of kind of season hold of that three technique position, he's been injured. Yep. Now, ne- it's never been like a major injury, but it's just been like a game, couple games, and, and, and it just it's prevented him from taking that next step. So, number one, he's got to stay on the field. Yeah. And, and – that's going to be an important piece to this. But number two, he's now going to be asked to be an, an every-down type of player. And that's not something he's necessarily been in his career before. And I think because he is an undersized player, he's you know 275 pounds, because he is a smaller player, it was harder for him to, I think, maybe be that guy as a freshman and sophomore. Just physically, he needed the weight room work and he needed all that. Sure. Well, even though he's 275 pounds now, maybe 280 on a good day, it's a different type of 275 than it was when he was a freshman. It's a stronger, firmer, more solid 275, which I think allows him to now be in position to be more of a three-down player. Is he going to play 60 snaps a game? Hope not. I don't want any of the defensive linemen to play 60 right. snaps a game. Number one, I want them to get be getting off the field more often as a defense. And number two, I take advantage of the depth. So you know, he's a guy that, to me – can can be an every down player, but but more so, and, and here's to me why I'm excited about what Jason Adamiola could bring to the defense this year. To me, he is is very similar in size and skill set and to Sheldon Day. Okay. Now we've talked about the the two to me, the the three best interior defenders Notre Dame has had in the last decade under Brian Kelly is Lewis Nix, Jerry Tillery, and Sheldon Day. And and they're all they're completely different players. Like none of them are similar. I mean, Lewis Nix was a thumper, a, a plugger. 
Uh, Jerry Tillery was more of a pass rusher. Sheldon Day had, I think, four and a half sacks as a senior, but he had 15 and a half tackles for loss. That means he was making play after play in the run game. To me, that's more of what I expect from Jason Adamiola. Will he have 15 and a half tackles for loss? I'm not saying that. <laughs> that's but a lot. Would I be shocked by it? Not really. Uh, part of the reason I'd be shocked by it is more because just teams don't run as much as they did, even even five years ago when, when Notre Dame was, was playing in 2015. Uh, just the schedule is more of what I'm referring to. There are plenty of teams that run the ball more. I'm, I'm more referring to specifically the schedule that Notre Dame is going to play in 2021. But to me, it's it's a similar skill set too, right? Like Sheldon Day was on the shorter side. Jason Emuel is actually longer than Sheldon. Uh, similar size, you know, I think Jay, Sheldon probably weighed a little bit more, but it was in a little bit more of a stocky type of – I mean, so there's some physical simil, you know, differences, but – Overall, I think their skill set is similar. Fast hands, strong hands, know sure. how to use their hands, penetrator, close on the football, disruptive on the ball. That's the thing I think Jason Adamiel has shown flashes of that now he needs to show on a consistent basis because in this defense, you need your interior players to be more disruptive, not just you know open up a hole for a linebacker to run through. That's fine and dandy, and that's obviously what they're going to want to do. This is very much a linebacker-driven defense, but he understands that, and this is the philosophy that Mike Yoko and Clark Lee started, and I think Marcus Freeman is going to take to the next level, which is who's closest to the football? It's your defensive lineman. Yep. Who are the closest group to the running back and the quarterback? It's your defensive lineman. Right. Put them in position to then go impact the football, and then if they don't make it, then you've got the linebackers to clean it up. And so I think that is something we're going to see more of under Marcus Freeman. And this is a defender in Jason Adamiola who not only can take advantage, Notre Dame needs him to take advantage. They need him to finally put it all together and go from being that really flashy player at times. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That one year is a great run defender. The next year is a great pass defender to kind of become that guy all the time. And if he can kind of take advantage of the opportunity that's being placed in front of him, stay on the field, show some of the maturity you need to kind of seize hold of that. I'm a starter now, leader. People are looking at me. Role. He's gonna. He could be one of the biggest breakouts that Notre Dame has, but also a national breakout. I mean, if he goes out there and has the kind of year I think he's capable of playing 35, 45 snaps a game. He could be a 10 to 12 tackle for lost guy and be one of those guys that you look at when Notre Dame's ranked as a top 10 defense again and saying, yeah, he's a big reason why that's the case. 
The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk Riley Mills. Uh, and, you know, he was, he was a rotational guy last year. Um, you know, this is an opportunity, I think, for him to really kind of take his game to another level. Maybe not necessarily be the starter, but again, with the rotation that you have, does it matter who the first guy out there is, right? I mean, so what, what do you see potentially for Riley Mills this year? I think he also – see, again, you're not making this move just because of Jason Adamiola. It's because of Jason Adamiola and what's behind him. And company, yeah. Correct. And, <laughs> yeah. and Riley Mills is a guy that Notre Dame is, is extremely excited about. And, and, look, he not only played as a freshman, he was a key rotation player at 255 to 260 pounds and didn't play like a guy that weighed that much. You know, he was kind of a, a five-technique defensive end in high school – I think both of these guys, too, uh, Vince, can play five technique in a three down front. Would it shock me if there are times this year where we see Notre Dame in a three three five with Jason Adamiola on one side and Riley Mills on the other side? No, it wouldn't. Um, if you're going with like a bigger group and maybe you have Isaiah Foskey kind of standing up doing some different things, so you're you're in your four two five personnel, sort of, but you've got one of those guys kind of being that big end in, in a certain look. I wouldn't be shocked by that at all. I think both of them can play over the tackle in a a a three down look. And I think Mills especially can yeah. be effective there because he's so big and powerful, but he's got long arms. He's just a, a really thick kid, but he's an athlete. He's really an athletic kid, and I think he's someone who's capable of kind of having that sophomore breakout. And they they're going to need him to right, yeah. and he's going to need to because. You know, we'll get into this in a second, but there's a young guy, even younger than him, that's coming along that that is going to push for playing time as well. So, I think that's a really unique combination. I think they bring they bring different body types, but similar games. And so, with Marcus Freeman, there are certain things that maybe you do more of with Jason Adamiola, and then more things you do with with Riley Mills. But there's nothing one's going to do that you can't then still do with the other, which is sure. really what you need, that continuity. I, hey, I can only make this call when Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo is at Rover. None of the other Rovers can do what he can do. That makes it challenging if he's not in the game. Well, that's even more challenging at the defensive line where you have to rotate if you want guys to make it through a game and through a season. You could just leave Jeremiah Wusu at Rover all the time if nobody else can do what he can do. Sure. Here, you're not. You, you don't need depth just because of an if an injury happens. You need depth if everybody's healthy. So Riley Mills needs to kind of take that jump. He needs to start, you know, using his hands more effectively. He knows what to do. There were just times where he, he was a freshman that was going against guys that were bigger and stronger than anyone he's ever gone against, and there was an adjustment period. But by the end of the year, I thought Riley Mills was playing good football, and I think there's an excitement about what this duo can do. Maybe there's games where Riley Mills plays a little bit more. Most games, I expect Jason Adamiola to play a little bit more. But I just see them as a really strong one-two punch. And and the only reason we would notice that that one guy's in the game than the other is they they, they don't look alike, right? And, and, and the obvious ways, but also one six three, one six right. five, you know. And, and so 
I, I think this group, this duo could be really dynamic and be the best one-two punch Notre Dame has had at the position in a, in a long time. Because, you know, Sheldon Day was a great player, but there was a big drop-off between that next guy. Sure. You know, when we look at the 2012 off defensive line with Capron, Lewis Moore, and Lewis Nix and Stephon Tewitt, excellent players, but you had Sheldon Day come off the bench. And after that, it was kind of like the, 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 there was a drop-off. Sure. Well, now we're every position we're talking about, we're talking about how the number two guy is maybe just as good and just not as a veteran as the number one guy. And that's Great where problem. you want to be. Great because problem, now man. it's like no matter who's on the field, we have a chance to be productive. And and I think this is a position where you could see that more than any. And and again, I think the good thing about that, Vince, is if Riley Mills steps up and plays well, then that's gonna force Jason Adamiola to say, Hey, I can't take the day off. I can't not be focused today. I can't not yep. miss this game or miss this practice, or I got to do what I need to do because if if Riley Mills is out there playing and I and they can't call my number, they may be like, you know what? We're okay, you, you know, and not just with Riley Mills, but what's behind him. And that's the kind of talent Riley Mills has. And that's what you see from Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State and programs like that where you've got this really good starter, but he also knows I got to bring it today. Because if I don't, there's a dude behind me just as good, and they have no problem going to him. And I just think that makes your whole position better. And, and that's kind of what I see the three technique with Riley Mills. And if if he doesn't step up, that doesn't mean Jason Adam Mill is not going to have a big year. It just means that there's going to be a bigger gap when sure. Jason Adam Mill is not on the field. So they need him to step up and be that guy. Yes, I think he can be that, but they need it. And there's a bigger gap between what he was in 2020 and what he needs to be than there was between what Jason Adamiola was and what he needs to be, right? Because of the veteran player, there's not as long of a road this offseason that Jason Adamiola has to haul. He just has to be more consistent with it. Riley Mills not only needs to be more consistent, he's got to be better than he was last year. Last year was about promise. Now it's about turning that promise into production. That's going to be the key. Earlier, Brian, you brought up Jacob Lacey and how he was injured, and you almost forgot about Jacob Lacey. And that's nothing against Jacob Lacey. It's because the depth was so good at the position that he wasn't necessarily missed. Now, a healthy Jacob Lacey, that's another story. So he missed last year basically because of injury. This year, how do you see him fitting in to this rotation? Yeah, now he played last year, right? Let's let's be clear. He did play sure. last year. He just wasn't himself, and, and he didn't play as much as as I expect him to play. And Vincent, I know as much as you expect him yeah. to play because I, I like watching him play. Yeah, honestly. he was. Yeah, he was banged up. You know, had a, yeah. a, a, a shoulder. I believe it was a shoulder at one point, knee at another point. Um, had a had a health illness at another. It was just a rough year for him. You sure. know, just one of those years for him. Battling. Yeah, and so you know, but he kept he kept going out there, and and he's the kind of guy that to me. You know, I think he better fits the nose of this position, but I think this defensive shift could be good for him because I think he's an athletic player that can be a penetrator and a disruptor, and he's got a, a bigger body than like Howard Cross, for example. So, you know, those are the next two guys in nose tackle behind nose guard behind Kurt Heinisch. It's Jacob Lacey and Howard Cross. Well, Howard Cross is like 265, 270 pounds. He's got to be a penetrator. And, and and I think that really the main reason he's a he's a nose tackle is just because that's the only place that he can get on the field. He's not gonna be beating out Jason Adamiola and Riley Mills, at least he better not. You know, that would be bad for those guys. Sure. But you know, he's not a natural nose guard. And, and so I think with Howard Cross, 
you want Howard Cross to be a 10 to 12 snap per game guy. And then when he's in there for that 10, 12, maybe 15 snaps, you want him just, you know, you know, everything just go, just give me everything you got. Sure. Because he's not someone that can do everything you need a nose guard to do. He can't two gap on the instances where you need him to two gap. He can't necessarily just drive right into a center and 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 rock him back the way that a bigger nose guard can to, to open up maybe a double inside stunt kind of thing. You know, you're limited in the kind of calls you can make with him in the game. You have to use him as more of a penetrator. I just feel like Jacob Lacey has to is the key to me to them then getting the most out of Howard Cross. Because I think if Howard Cross has to play 30 snaps a game, then you're in a situation where he's going to wear down faster. Sure. Which is going to make him less effective. The, the he's one of those guys that on a lower volume, greater intensity, I think is where you could really see him be productive just because of his size. I mean, six one and a half, 265, 270 pounds. That's just not a, a nose guard that you want to be throwing out there for 40 snaps if you're trying to beat Ohio State or Alabama. But can you get him out there for 10 to 12 snaps and and you know tell him that you know like 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 his hair's on fire, just just give me everything you got? Yeah. But right. you can't do that if Jacob Lacey's not healthy and playing to his potential. And Jacob Lacey to me has playmaker potential. We saw we saw some of it as a freshman. No but he just I, I think he's a big injury question mark right now because I don't know if he's fully healed from the things that banged him up last year. And He's got to go out and kind of reassert himself in the depth chart. Like, hey, yeah. you know, uh, we're not the only ones that kind of forgot about him kind of thing. Like, look, you, you need to rem- remind people why he was your top defensive line recruit in that class. You need sure. to remind people why he was a guy that was such an important part of your nose guard rotation as a freshman in 2019. And stay on the field. That's going to be the big key because, you know, if he has another offseason where he's not healthy and banged up, there's – there's people there. I mean, Aiden say, yeah. is a guy that we, we're going to talk about in a minute, but you know, th- there's bodies there. There's things they can do that, that will make it harder for him to then get back. So he has to, he has to hope he can stay healthy and then be, be get back to being productive. He's got to right. be hungry this off season. And I'm not saying he won't be, but there's, there's a lot of competition at that spot. And Notre Dame is in a position as a program where they don't have to bring along a guy like him because there's so many other options like hey if he's just not there he's not there it is what it is we've got other people that are ready to play so it's a big spring for him and and for me it's a big spring for the nose guard position in general because of him because a healthy and motivated Jacob Lacey who's playing to his potential now that he's going to his junior year gives this front four a really potent weapon to have and now you put him and Kurt Heinish at their best in a yeah. one-two punch at nose guard, good luck with that. You know, <laughs> and then that makes the three technique even more three techniques even more productive. It makes the linebackers more productive because you got to really handle these nose guards that are just hitting in the face and, and shooting gaps and all that. And then I got to worry about Drew White and Bo Bauer and and Shane Simon and Maris Lufau blitzing now. Like, come on, this isn't right, you know. But he's one of the biggest question marks of the defensive line because. He's got to prove he can stay. And even as a freshman, he wasn't fully healthy. I mean, he's kind of yeah. been just battling thing after thing after thing. And if you know, he needs to be healthy and the light needs to go on because he could be a he could be a difference maker inside for this group. So, Brian, let's talk about uh, some of the guys that didn't get a lot of playing time last year or in high school. Uh, so they couldn't get a lot of playing time at Notre Dame. We've got Gabe Rubio, who is uh, an early enrollee and Aiden Kiana Anna. 
uh, got a, a, a skosh of playing time uh, last year. But these two guys, obviously, Rubio is crazy talented uh, coming in. Where do you see these guys fitting in? Well, I think Aiden was one of those guys that was hurt by the fact that Notre Dame didn't blow out opponents the way they should have last year. I mean, he should have been in the game seven, eight times. I'm not faulting Mike Elson for not playing him more because he had really good players ahead of him and veteran players ahead of him. I'm more faulting the Notre Dame offense for not handling its business and not allowing them to – he should have played against Duke. He should have played against Georgia Tech. He should have played against Louisville. He should have played against Florida State. He should have played against, you know, these teams that they didn't blow out, at least didn't blow out till late, that you you should have got your backups in, that they weren't able to get their backups in. So – um, especially those home games when you've got everybody dressed. So yeah. he missed out on that opportunity, but he's a really talented player. He's, so what he gives that that I think this defense really needs, and I'm really hoping that he has one of those springs where he forces his way on the field, where he says, hey, look, I know the Howard Cross can ball. I know Jacob Lacey's good, and I know Kerhinich is good, but you got to figure out a way to get me on the field. I'm too good not to play because what he brings, he's the only 300-pounder they have. And so – and he's a he's a naturally big kid. You know, he's he's I mean, you just look at him. He's got these big old calves. He's got these big old thighs. He's got this big old midsection. Sure. He's got this and when I say midsection is a football term, it's more like it's like kind of like that it's hips, butt, you know, the the stomach sure. area. And I'm not talking like fat kid. I'm talking he's just big on that that middle area, which is where a lot of your power comes from. The thighs in that middle section where a lot of your lower body explosiveness comes from. Big arms, broad shoulders. Uh, he's just a big kid, and he's the one guy they have that if he steps up and says, "Hey, there's a role for me," even if it's goal line, short yardage. Right. If you're playing a team like Wisconsin, maybe with as good as Howard Cross might be against some of these other teams, maybe that's a game where the guy getting that extra 10, 15 snaps is him at nose guard mm-hmm. taking on those big Wisconsin offensive linemen. So. I think I think he's going to have – but here's the thing about it. Because they have so many proven players ahead of him, he's got to kind of force his way on the field this spring. He's kind of got to say, look, you have no choice but to play me. Absolutely. And that I love present that. this defense with a great opportunity because he brings a completely different – now, look, he's athletic, Vince, right, He for his size. He can be a penetrator if you need him sure. to, but for right now – you don't necessarily need him to do that. You have other guys that can do that. You need to take advantage of the fact that he is a big, strong young kid and he needs to take the weight. I mean, it, obviously we're in March, so it, it should have already started for him. Yeah. Right. But hopefully he's just really taken to the weight room this winter that he just has looked like Matt Bayless is my best friend. Matt, the work him and Matt Bayless do together in the, in the strength staff is going to determine whether or not he's going to be on the field the fall. You know, reshape that body a little bit. Improve your hand strength. Improve your upper body strength. Improve your conditioning. Those type of things, which a lot of 300-pound freshmen have to do. So I think that's a guy that, to me, they don't need to step up this year. Like, the defense is going to be fine if Aiden's still a year away. However, if he does step up and force his way on the field, he gives them something they don't have anywhere else. And that is important. So I think... You could see him, even if it's not game after game, to be a situational player that then when we're talking next year after Kurt Heinisch is gone, hey, watch out for this guy inside. So he 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 could really benefit this defense if he does step up. 
Gabriel Rubio is an interesting player because I think he could play both spots. He's the second biggest defensive player they have. Like, As an incoming freshman. Right. I mean, he's every bit of 6'5". You know, he's a, he's at least 6'4". He's listed at 6'5". He's got long arms. He's a big, thick kid. You know, he's a, he's another guy. He's, his dad, you know, dad played in the NFL, so he's kind of got that, that big body genes. Sure. Um and and he's he's a guy that could play nose tackle and be a really disruptive, penetrating, physical, dominant nose tackle. But he also is a guy that you know has a skill that could allow him to play three technique. So I think he brings some of that versatility you'll like in a two hundred and eighty five to two hundred ninety pound body. Yeah, and and so he brings you some of that beef as well. So he could also be someone that with a good spring and and knowing Gabe like like I do, he's a really engaging. Oh, kid. there's no question about it. he ran but, I, just a quick story. He ran into a friend of mine. They're building a house uh, in South Bend and right next to one of my buddies. And he's like, and this was like, gosh, this was probably before the pandemic. Uh, but he ran into to Gabriel and he's like, it's the biggest teddy bear. He's a great mm-hmm. kid. He's playing with my kids. It's like, you know, I clearly comes from a really good family, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. So uh, he people should be very, very excited not only on the field to have yeah. Gabriel Rubio, but his off the field personality. Great kid. As well. Yeah. Here's the thing about him though. He's, he's a really nice, fun, loving kid off the field. He has a switch. <laughs> Those are the ones that you when, want, man. When, when he clicks the, the, the chin strap onto the helmet, like something changes in his head, right? Where he becomes a different dude. And it's not, Love it. it's not a nice guy. If you're an offensive lineman or, yeah. back or quarterback, I mean, this is a kid that, as a junior in high school, had over 40 tackles for loss. In one year. One season. <laughs> over like 17 or 18 sacks. You know, I don't care what level of football you play at, that's insane production. That's like yeah. the D-tackle version of Tyler Buckner. Right. You know, with just stature, just like, no way. Come yeah. on. And then you start watching the film, you're like, four. That's number five. Yep, that's six tackles for loss in this. You, you, you just, you're just like, okay, yep, it's there. And the thing about him too is, he's not your typical top hundred recruit. You know, like Irish uh, SIL American ranked him as as Notre Dame's highest ranked player in the class. They ranked him as the number forty nine player in the entire country. But you talk to Gabriel, and he's not. He doesn't have that typical "I'm one of the best players in the country" mentality. He's right. kind of got that hunger, like he's got something to prove. And he's a Love worker. It. Like here, here's a story. I, I I believe I've told this before, but if you haven't heard it. So when Gabriel showed up to Notre Dame's lineman camp, and this is in the summer of 2019, yep, we all knew in the, in the recruiting, you know, covering the team world that he was going to commit to Notre Dame that weekend. It, we'd all he we, it was a, it was going to happen. He already had a scholarship. He was coming in town to kind of take a, another visit, but he was going to commit in South Bend. He wanted to commit in South Bend. So what usually happens 99 times out of 100 is a kid will come to the camp. And just kind of be there. Sit on a golf cart. Yeah. I mean, they do. But Gabriel came and practiced, took every – I mean, he was like jumping in front of dudes to take another rep. I mean, that's what – I mean, he just wanted to battle and compete. He won the line, He won the lineman, you know, defensive – top defensive lineman award at that right. camp. I mean, he was going – he was just like 
he was conducting himself like a kid who was trying to earn a scholarship from Notre Dame. Not somebody who was going to commit that weekend. Who had already gotten a scholarship right. offer. They'd already talked about committing. Then, you know, he he pre-conducted himself like someone who was hungry. Wanted, and I love that level of competitiveness. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's one thing I love about Gabriel. He's not going to be like, well, I'm a freshman and there's all these players in front of me. He's going to be like, okay. I'm going to be coming after you. I'm going to be coming after you <laughs> in, in a good teammate kind of way. But it's sure. like, dude, you better bring it. Cause if you don't bring it, I'm right here. Yeah. And, and that's where I, that's when we talk about depth Vince, that's why depth is so important. Number one, the, the main reason why depth is important is because you need to have the, the talent to be able to put multiple players in the field and still be productive. Sure. Whether you're second or your third guys on the field, you can't have big drop-offs in production. It keeps guys fresh and all that kind of stuff. But the other reason depth is important, and Pete Carroll was the master of this at USC, Nick Saban has mastered this at Alabama, is, hey, you don't want to practice hard today. You think you got a spot earned. You don't want to, you don't want to get after in the weight room. You don't want to go to class. You want to do all these kind of things. You don't want to conduct yourself like, like we're asking a, a, a guy at this program who's trying to win a championship conduct himself. That's fine. Hey, you know, number two guy, get in there. Or number three guy, get in there. And they're fine because it's not some walk-on. Right. It's not some three-star kid who's just happy to be here. It's, hey, my next top 100 recruit, come in here and get on the field and show this guy you know, what it's like. Sure. You know, there's a lot of opportunities for people to get Wally pipped on this football team, especially on defense. If you don't bring it every day, and that, that type of competition, if you use it correctly, and I think Elston and Coach Freeman and those guys will do it, is it creates a passion but also a focus. If you can't look, I know you got finals. I know you got your girlfriend this, and I know you got your family this. But today, on the field, you better lock in, because so and so wants is unhappy. He played three snaps last week, and he wants to play thirty snaps this week, and he's going to show everybody what what that he should be on the field. So that's what I love about the depth at this position is it it helps keep you focused, and that's why it's so important to recruit top players year after year after year because you never know who's going to get hurt. You never know who's going to transfer. You never know who's going to have a breakout and leave early for the NFL, you know? And so you have to recruit year after year after year. Mike Elson has done that. I mean, remember, Vince, in 2016 when Notre Dame signed that great DN class with Dalen Hayes and Julian Aguara, Khalid Kareem, they didn't sign a single defensive tackle. And if not for Jerry Tillery deciding he wanted to play defense – their best defensive tackle signing in the 2015 class was like Elijah Taylor, or Micah Treadway, or Brandon Tiasum. They've come such a long way recruiting defensive tackle where Jamion Franklin would have been the best defensive tackle recruit in like four or five different Notre Dame classes before this recent stretch. And he's transferred out because the opportunity wasn't there. Right. And so – that's a great place to be in because it protects you from injury. It protects you from a guy maybe just isn't making the improvements you need. But even if everybody plays at their potential, it allows you to throw waves of talented players at teams. And there's enough diversity of the skill sets to say we can also match up if we need to. If we got to go big, we can go big. If we need to get penetrators that are going to attack, we can put penetrators that can attack. And that's a great asset for a defensive line coach and a defensive coordinator to have. Well, I remember talking about uh, when Notre Dame was facing off against Clemson in 2018 in the in the Final Four. 
I mean, the biggest thing was, yeah, they've got some guys on their starting lineup on the defensive line, but it's it's the eight guys that are going to be coming at you because they just keep sending guys and sending guys, and that's why that defensive line was just so good. There were there were backups that got drafted into the NFL, uh, you know, after that 2018 season. So that's if, if there's any kind of comparison. I'm not saying the Notre Dame's at that level, but I, that's what I'm saying about getting there. Weight. That's the whole point, right? You got to get there. And they're, exactly they're right. much closer to that now than they were yes. when these two teams played in 20 – when Clemson and, and Notre Dame first played in 2015. Right. Yep. And, and it's, it's just those waves, they kill yeah. you. Like a lot of the backups on that 2016 team were then starters on the 2018 team. And a lot right. – you know, I mean, and, and, I mean, that's where you need to be, right? I mean, that's what the good teams do. Hey, we lose so-and-so, fine, it's fine. Notre Dame lost Khalid Kareem and Julian Aguara to the NFL, third and fifth round draft pick, and they were just as good at defensive end this year, if not better. You know, Notre Dame loses Jerry Tillery to the first round of the NFL draft in 2018, and the defense comes out the next year without him, and they have even more tackles for loss against the run in 2019, and they had they scored they hold points even fewer teams to even fewer points than they did in 2018. Right. That's that's what you want to do. You know, I mean, oh. that's what good programs do. It's that reloading and. And Notre Dame has the depth on this defense to where, wow, they can really reload. And the other thing, too, is really there's only one guy who's definitely done after this year, and that's Kurt Heinisch. Right. Jason true. Amiola may be done because, he's again, he's a he was a four-year player that could technically take advantage of the COVID year in 2022. But even if both of those guys leave, that's the other thing is like, okay, fine. Now Riley Mills is going to be a junior. Now Jacob Lacey is going to be a senior. Now Howard Cross is going to be a senior. Now you, you get right. And and I think that's where you really feel good about the health of just not what this team can be in 2021, but in 2022. But then in the spring, however, I think the other part of it too is you can manage reps a little bit better in the spring to where you don't have to worry about guys wearing out. Cause here's the other thing too, Vince, we didn't talk about when guys get tired and fatigued, there's a greater risk of injury. And so you can manage practice better. It's not just games. You can manage practice better now because of the numbers you have. And so I think that's another benefit to this. There could be days say, hey, look, we're not going to play Kurt much today in practice. We're going to give Aiden and, you know, Riley and and Gabriel chances because we know what Jason's, you know, Jason's had a great week of practice. You know, hey, maybe today's your day of, of taking a breather. And it's a reward for how good you've been management baby right and so i that's the other thing that depth does too is it allows you to stay fresher throughout the year not just on saturdays but you can manage reps in practice you can manage reps in the spring you can manage reps in other areas and not feel like you're losing anything and so that's why we say to wrap it up that this could be the deepest deepest position group now what we need to see in the spring however is can this group take that next step and be more productive on the ball for all the talk we talked about, that has to happen. And we're going to start to see it this spring. They have to be more productive. They have to make more tackles for loss. They have to get more hits on the quarterback, not just be disruptive, but be disruptive to the point where you're now making more plays in the ball, not kind of doing things that allow your teammates to do it. That's going to be the final step for this group of players. That takes us to our final three questions, Brian. We always ask, you know, three questions that we're looking at into spring and then even into fall uh, sometimes, depending on the question. But uh, and this one will will push us into fall, especially the first one. But uh, you just mentioned it. Can this unit make more plays in 2021? That That's plays on the ball. That's tackles in the backfield. That's quarterback hurries. That's sacks. That's all of those things. 
kind of rolled into one. Can this group make more plays in 2021? Uh, question number two, can Jason Adamola take that final – can he take that final step? Can he have that breakout year? Um, and if he does, that's going to go a long way to answering our first question about this team, you know, making more plays in 2021. And then finally, and we just got done talking about it, will the depth be as good as advertised? We think that the depth of this team is excellent. Will that prove to be something that actually, you know, is – um, and, and we'll find out, we will find out as the season moves along and we'll find out a little bit during the spring. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but a lot of these questions are really going to be answered in the fall. Yeah. And part of that too, with, with the depth thing as good as advertised is not just about, will guys step up and play, but is this going to be a year where you have a bad rash of injuries or something like that? Like those sure. are all factors sure. into it, you know, where does somebody transfer to somebody, you know, there's just all types of things that could provide stumbling blocks to where you can afford to lose one or two guys. But if you lose a third or a fourth or whatever, that gets you in a little bit more trouble. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast and our spring preview of the defensive tackles. Make sure that you subscribe and hit the notification button over on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your, uh, your uh, podcast. But definitely, definitely get on your computer, get on your phone, and log in right there, irishbreakdown.com. All right, there's all kinds of good stuff over there. Uh, always bringing it your way. Reminder, tomorrow we've got uh, – our on Friday we've got our mailbag, so make sure you check that out. Live mailbag. Live mailbag at 1 o'clock. Uh, going to be defensive-oriented. So if you've got your questions and you can't make it, make sure you get those to Brian. And if you um, can't make it, don't feel bad because Vince isn't going to be able to make it tomorrow either. I wasn't going to mention that, but all right. No, I'm not going to make it either. I have to do some school stuff. Uh, but uh, looking forward to it. I'll be watching it, if that helps, um, at 1 o'clock. So I'll be one of the uh, people watching. So uh, until next time, uh, Irish fans, thank you for joining us on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.